Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when he was come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. Matthew chapter 14, verses 30 through 33. Peter was eager. Peter was full of faith. Peter asked God to call him out of his comfort zone. Peter got his shot. Peter jumped at it. Then the attacks came. The storms of the enemy rose up against him. And he took his eyes off of Jesus and the mission that God was preparing him for. He looked at the storm. He listened to the wind's roar. He felt the waves rising up to overtake him, and he became fearful of them. And in that moment, his faith was more in the enemy to defeat him than in Jesus to defend him and in God to deliver him. And because of it, he began to sink to be claimed by the enemy that was just moments before under his feet. That old boasterous sea. The Bible tells us that God cast our past into a sea of forgetfulness. But that does not mean that it won't rise up boasterous against us and try to reclaim us through fear, condemnation, temptation, bluffs, and plain old bullying. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus and our faith in him, who has had all of this placed under his feet with all authority and calls us to follow him, to walk this path of righteousness, to put the enemy beneath us, to stand in confidence that we cannot be defeated. As it says in Romans 8 chapter 31, what shall we then say to these things? We say that if God be for us, then who can be against us? However, the moment that you listen to the roaring, set your eyes on the storm that is coming. Focus on your feelings being tossed about like a raging sea and put your faith in its ability to overtake you even with the king of kings within your reach, then you will sink. You will sink into despair, into regret, into temptation, into unbelief, frustration, and condemnation. Then, my friend, I have seen it happen time and time again. The next step, if not corrected, will be to grow envious and begin to condemn and speak against those who still have that water-walking faith. 
and you will even begin to agree with the enemy when he begins to call it all fake. No, God is real, and nothing shall be impossible for those who believe. So what do we do when we see that we are beginning to sink into that dark sea? We do what Peter did. We cry out to him. We cry, save us, Jesus. You did it before. You can do it again. I put my faith back in you, your redemption, and your power to tread upon the enemy. And in an instant, he will raise you up and put it all back under your feet again. Those who walk with Jesus walk in victory, seeing the enemy daily defeated. Some say that they have prayed and nothing changed. I think that the key here that the Lord is showing us today is the state that Peter was in when he cried out to Jesus. He did not recite a practiced prayer. He did not try to sound eloquent, educated, or dignified in that sea that day. He did not try to make sense of the situation and work his way back into God's good graces. He believed that he was going to be destroyed and he cried. It's not just a story. This really happened. Put yourself in Peter's place in exactly that moment. He was being overtaken by something that meant to kill him. And Jesus was his only hope of salvation. So he cried for him to save him. That cry of utter abandon. No need for understanding. An urgent desperation in belief of the complete and imminent domination and damnation that he was facing, as well as Jesus's ability to save him from it. That's the cry that heaven is waiting for. That's the cry that opens the door of grace. That's the cry of someone who has remembered the source of their water-walking faith. Exodus chapter 2 verse 22 says, And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage and they cried and their cry came up unto God by reason of their bondage and God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and with Jacob. The Israelites in this passage had gone into Egypt under good terms in the past, but over time they became more and more immersed in the culture and sins of Egypt. They set their eyes on the luxuries. They turned their ears to the flatteries. They turned their hearts to the idolatries of this spiritually dark land. And before they knew it, they were entrapped and enslaved by it. And in their bondage, realizing that they had been overtaken, they began to cry out to God 
to save them. Their babies were being killed as soon as they were born. They were made to work long days with little reward for it and no hope of retirement. And worst of all, they were not allowed to worship the God of the Bible openly and freely like the other religions of the land could do daily. They were oppressed on all sides, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and so they cried. How do you think their prayers sounded? How did that cry go out of them? I think a bit like Peter's did. Fervent, urgent, desperate. And heaven heard it. My friend, why aren't we praying like this? Is our culture any different than Egypt? Is our domination and damnation any less prevalent than Peter's was in that moment? So why isn't heaven hearing our prayers? Maybe because we don't take where we are serious. Our eyes have not been opened to what is really around us. It's time to wake up. We need deliverance. And once we truly see it, and cry out like we believe it. God will hear, and in an instant, he will reach for us. Oh, my deliverer is coming, because I will cry until the sea gets quiet, and Egypt is reminded who the true God really is. Let your voice, which transcends heaven and earth, be louder than the storm, the winds, the waves, and all their boisterousness, all the armies of Egypt with all of their horses and chariots. For our faith is not in any of this. Our faith is in Jesus, who has the power and authority to deliver us. So our focus will be on him, and we will pray and praise and cry out with all desperation unto his holy name until he hears from heaven, steps in, reaches out his hand, and changes everything. He's done it before. He can do it again. Matthew chapter 19 verse 26 says, But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. For as he tells us in Luke chapter 10 verse 18, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Therefore, behold, do I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. We thank you, Lord, for this understanding that the direness of the situation calls for us to pray a prayer of desperation, to cry out until we break through, to cry out to you until you reach your hand out and do what no man can do. Because you see, the problem is this, that the church has been convinced that a man, a politician, a system, finances, their performances, that it can fix this, it can save them, that it will somehow 
break through the ceiling and get to the heavenlies. But my friend, I'm telling you that historically and biblically, the only thing that can break through is a cry, a cry from the heart, a cry of desperation, a cry that proves that you believe that he is your salvation. Lord, you are our only source of help in times of trouble. You are the only one who can turn this ship around. You are the only one who can get us to the shore safely. You're the only one who can save me. God, we are crying out like Peter would have cried. We are crying out like the Israelites in Egypt. Oh Lord, we are crying out, come and deliver us. Lead us into promise. Lord, there are things that you have spoken and we still stand firm on it. You are not surprised by the winds and the waves and all the boasting of the enemy. You are not surprised by the storm that surrounds me. You see the end from the beginning and you knew all of this was going to be in motion when you spoke those words and promises to us all those years ago. So that means you're just going to find a more miraculous way to accomplish it than we ever hoped or imagined. Lord, we still have faith in you. We know that you can do this, but we got to cry out in desperation and prove that we know that we need you. Because if we think we can save ourselves, if we think we can swim out of this swell, we're going to drown in the midst of it. People are going to be lost. Souls are going to be lost. My friend, you better get on your knees and take your problems to the cross because there is one way of escape that is given us and his name is Jesus. You want to know how you get on the ark? You get desperate enough to start listening to his message when he preaches righteousness and you come to him and you say, save me. Get me back in right standing. Get me back in alignment. Put my feet in position upon a firm foundation that even in the midst of trial and tribulation, I'm going to be able to walk on troubled seas and the storm, it will not hurt me. Because if you don't do it, my friend, if you put your faith in the institutions of men, you're going to be very disappointed. You're going to lose everything and end up blaming God for it when it wasn't him. He was standing there the whole time waiting for you to cry for him, for salvation, to put your trust in him, not in your ability to swim or in other men or in the world system, not in the boat, not in the storm, just him, for he alone is the Lord. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.